from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Hello! And welcome to the GoodAtheist.net podcast. My name is Jacob Fortag. And I'm Ryan Harkness. Sorry for the weirdness there, but we're just feeling a little weird. We just finished watching... Well, we didn't watch this now, but last night we watched a movie that I want to talk about briefly. Just because it talks... We, I, I want to talk about Michael Crichton for like five minutes. I know this sounds weird. You're like, Jacob, why are you bringing up Michael Crichton? It seems like... Why would you talk about him on a show about Oh, wait, wait. I thought, uh, I thought Michael Crichton's... Uh, what, what would be the word to use it? Crackery? Crackery? Uh, crockery? Crockish shit? Crock, crockish ways? Crock... What are you talking about? I don't know. He's got a crocker barrel worth of... I ruined the beginning of the show. <laughs> you did? <laughs> That's cool. We can move on. Uh, here's why I want to talk about Michael Crichton. Two reasons. The first reason is because of the book State of Fear. Okay? Now, if you've never re- read the book... You're doing yourself a favor. The reason I hate this book is specifically because it tries to paint global warming as a gigantic hoax made up by environmental terrorists who intend to take over the world. Basically, this is the plot of the book. And uh, when he finished writing the book, he got an award for it uh, by the oil companies. They gave him a, <laughs> they gave him a choice award. But that's not the reason I hate Michael Crichton. Well, that's part of it. But the other reason I dislike him fundamentally uh, is because I think he's a hack. I honestly do. Like, I just, I, I, I detest him. And that's why when we watch Runaway with Tom Selleck and some other miscellaneous chick. Was there anybody else? Uh, uh, Christy Alley was in it for like five seconds? Yeah, yeah. There was a couple other people who I recognized fr- from the block, from the 80s movie block. Yeah, there was the guy from Police Academy, the police chief who's always a grump yeah or something like but anyway that. yeah this this movie is from 1984 it's tom Selleck in his prime playing a it, this this was what was it it was a it was a science fiction movie quote unquote oh my goodness science <laughs> fiction you said it best where basically they made 64 different props future props future props and the rest was just 1984 it's right like let me tell you how to make a futuristic movie about robots going crazy we just film it now and every so often somebody will use a gun that has some tinfoil wrapped around it. You no, know, a gun that somehow the, the bullet traces know where to go and it's fired by Gene Simmons Oh, of yes, Kiss. yes, yes. Yeah, there you go. That, that's who was missing from it. <laughs> yeah, that and was that, definitely someone. This, this movie was written and directed by Michael Crichton. It's just the worst worst piece of crap ever. Well, there's it, a couple. There, once in a while I like to watch something truly terrible that uh, you know that people make. Like, for instance... After we finished watching the prequels for Star Wars, I really quite enjoyed watching the Star Wars Christmas special because I felt like it was karmic justice that, you know, George Lucas should suffer a little for the horrors that are the prequel movies. You know, I think that's that just makes me feel better. That's why that's why I love Runaway because it's so terrible. That, and we watch terrible movies all the time. Like we actually make a habit of this. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I have a whole. I have a whole collection of crap movies that we watch all the time. We we get made fun of it for. <laughs> people will be going by and they'll see. They'll ask us what we're watching now. We'll be telling them all oh, we're watching Universal Soldier again. I mean, I like, watched. No. I watched. 
uh, American Ninja like three times. Just to give you an idea of how hardcore into watching crap that I am, I couldn't even finish this movie. We just had to stop 40 minutes in, and it felt like the longest 40 minutes known to man. Mm. I mean, the greatest thing about this movie is how they portray robots, which are basically weird cubes with arms that don't seem to move, and yet these robots are able to do absolutely everything, including defeating or almost defeating Tom Selleck. Or so we think. We're not sure. We don't want to see the end of it. (laughs) We bailed out. We bailed out after, you know, we wanted to make fun of Michael Crichton for a bit, and then about... 48 minutes into the movie, I wanted to kill myself. So we said, let's, let's, let's break it into at least two chunks. I thought it was funny when, when looking up Michael Crichton's little uh, bio on Wikipedia of discovering the fact that uh, he started, you know, I, I, though he graduated as a medical doctor, he started believing that all diseases were caused by a patient's state of mind. He then went on to believe in things like auras, spoon bending, clairvoyance. All the bullshit you could possibly imagine. Yeah, he believed in that. But I'll tell you what he didn't believe in. Global warming. Like, congratulations on really picking and choosing what you're going to believe. It sounds like you had a really great criteria for belief, Michael Crichton. You're so missed. You're so missed. Yeah, I like Jurassic Park. I'll give him that. And Lost World was pretty good. Lost, what, the second Jurassic Park? Yeah. You thought it was good. Yeah, the book won bad. The book, you mean the one where they bring back the character who died? Yeah. And who has one line to explain why he's back? You know what? If you're going to do it, just then, do then, it? Then, then just do it. One line. Just be like, they work miracles. I love that. It is like, fuck y'all. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, because he got he's paid back. to do the second book. They were like, well, we're making a movie, so you might as well make a book, Michael Crichton. <laughs> and he was like, all right, because he's Michael Crichton. And he's a hack. Yeah, who, would, who wouldn't say yes to that? Well, I wish he wouldn't. Because that was a terrible movie, and I hate him. But well, it, it was it was a terrible movie. Let's. I, I definitely want to differentiate between Lost World the book and Lost World the movie because the movie was terrible. As soon as as soon as that like twelve year old kid uh, used gymnastics to defeat Velociraptors, that was that was where I checked out. So <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Today on the show, we're going to be covering two topics. They're very broad, but we're going to be touching on them. You know, back and forth in our usual manner, in our usual nonsensical, totally off-the-wall manner. The first subject we're going to talk about is the new campaign in Britain, or pretty much around the world, uh, which is called Inspired by Muhammad. It's kind of a way to, I guess, give a new gloss it's to like, Islam. It, it's, it's imagine, because this, this is what it seems to me, it's like a PR thing. Almost like the atheist bus ads, because they're putting these, like I was looking at uh, some pictures of it. They had a cab that was, you know, redecorated lime green with funky writing saying, you know, Muhammad said chicks are good and no worries. Women have rights. (laughs) Yeah. Muhammad says Islam doesn't subjugate women. Visit this website to hear people tell you that, that they don't. Because that's necessary. Yes, it is quite necessary. But we'll get into that. The second thing I want to talk about is just a broader theme uh, it was an article I was reading about how the internet has really helped, uh, you know, gay uh, and lesbian communities in Latin America find voices and really help come out of the closet. So that's the second thing we're going to. And be plus, about. I hear there's all sorts of gadgets that they use now to hook up, like sex sex zone, you know, the thing for the uh, that lets you find where all the gay people are around you. 
You know what that is? That's just you adding some kind of content to make people more interested in listening through, uh, you know, appeals to sex. You appeal to the lowest common denominator, sir. I don't know the names of these apps. I can't give anybody any information. But I'm oh, just well, saying Oh, well, now you just completely and utterly made it uninteresting to know because you won't have the name of the apps. You've ruined it now. Sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about sex later. Mm. We promise. But first, I just actually... Here, here's the first thing I want to talk about. Just a, a, as a broad thing. Now, I know that there are always two little voices in your head when you're thinking about Islam, is right? It, is this me or the listener? No, I was saying everybody in general. Okay. you got two voices that's going on. Yeah. you got the one voice, which hears every fucking second day of honor killing there, infabulation there, you know, all kinds of th- girls getting acid thrown in their face for going to school and then you got the other side where, you know, Islamic women are saying, we're not being subjugated. We want to choose for ourselves to wear the hijab and so on and so forth, right? They're two voices and they sound really different. And they can't both be true. Or can they? And I guess that's the question. What do you, why do you think we hear those two particular voices? And, and how do you think it corresponds to reality? Do you think that, say, when they were doing a study and they found in Great Britain that roughly 50, over half of the people had a negative perception of Islam, do you think that that's justified, that negative perception? Or do you think that that's a kind of media brainwashing? Or what do you think is going on here? Well, I don't know if it's media brainwashing. I mean, the stories happen. Obviously, they're sensationalized, but they're pretty sensational as it is. I was just flipping through some of the stories about the honor killings, and you really can't you can't make up a more horrifying situation where, like, say, a family of eight will hold down and murder uh, one of their daughters like all together. It'll be like a group effort with like the two-year-old in the corner, and they'll take like butcher knives to them and just hack them up and kill them. You know what it kind of reminds me of? The story of the lottery. Remember reading that? Yeah, yeah. Where everybody's got to grab a ticket. And, I, and, and when I first read that story, the way that I kind of uh, sort of like, I guess, read it, is I, I wondered what must it be like when you're that person and everybody kind of simultaneously turns on you and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to fucking die. And for it to be the people that you've come to know and love and live with, it's got to be probably the most insane, frightening thing ever. I would rather a stranger murder me than my fucking beloved family. Can mm. you imagine? That's what's really fucked up about it. I mean, yes, the murder is fucked up already. But, oh my goodness, these were people whose job it was... To love and protect you. And meanwhile, they're like, oh, our honor has been besmirched from you refusing to wear this headdress or from you being having been seen with a boy at an amusement park. Well, I understand the fact, and this isn't a defense, I'm just trying to put us in context sure. here, that in a lot of places where this kinds of thing happens, actually, well, I mean, obviously you have it happening in the UK and you have it happening. I think situation, there's been several cases in Canada recently. There's uh, a lot of cases. I think there's 50 cases in, in, uh, on average a year in Germany. Yeah, but where it basically comes from is the fact that back in the day, if you don't have your honor amongst your society, then, then you're not going to make it. So obviously it's, 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 it's your stature in the community, and that can really affect people. Well, you know what? I think that it reflects so much of the history that is even sort of like older than Islam itself, right? So... Islam develops in an area where there's a strong tribal tendencies and and, and it incorporates those because you can't just rewrite the rules. I view Islam as kind of like the first tribe that doesn't necessarily necessarily require blood, uh, you know, sort of like ties. 
I think that's the appeal of Islam, at least in the very beginning, was the fact that if you were an orphan, which Muhammad was, by the way, uh, you didn't always benefit from clan protection. So you were kind of an outcast. If you didn't have clan protection, their concept of the law was basically kind of a, an eye for an eye thing, right? Mm -hmm. But it only applied within tribes. So if you were to commit an atrocity or a crime against someone else from another tribe, for instance, maybe one that's too weak to defend itself, or even from someone that's not in a tribe, it was generally not regarded as a crime. So you're, those elements, those, those very tribalistic elements, remained. Now, Islam comes along and says, well, you don't need to be part of a tribe. Just come under this more general tribe. doesn't matter what color. doesn't matter what your background is. It has a strong appeal. Uh, you were not there on the last show, but one of the things that I was trying to argue with the last bonus show mm -hmm. with uh, with Jeff was that all religions start being modern at some point. They they appeal to a particular time. So Islam appeals to a time where there's you know like uh, the, the, where people need to transcend these blood uh, you know ties in terms of clans because there's a lot of just people left over from this kind of very simplistic system. So now you have an organization that incorporates those, gives them a sort of uh, sense of clanism. But in light of that, you're going to notice that a lot of the traditions that you had before are going to stay there. I mean, even though the movement's modern, there's only so much you can modernize. Yeah. And you could say, well, for instance, say Mohammed's views of women's rights were more progressive than the views of, you know, the, the, the very tribalistic views of, of yonder. And yeah, that's true. It's also the 6th century, okay? So you could have an advanced idea of women's rights at that time. Do you think that they, you know, like scrutiny-wise, do you think it's going to be as good as it is now? Are you going to say, well, I would gladly trade all of the advances we've made because Muhammad figured that shit out uh, and a lot decades of that, ago, well, centuries ago. A lot of that Muhammad stuff kind of goes, you know, he did say, oh, don't, don't hit women. But then he said, well, if, if, if they are being uh, rebellious... You can't hit women. So it or was, if you just speak three times, you'll divorce them, and so on and so forth. Yeah, there's, there's just, there's, there's still a lot of questionable stuff even there. But I, I do agree with you that a lot of it just comes from the, uh, just comes from a lot of the tribalism that went on. I was trying to read about the Taliban, and and you know, because obviously if these if these people are saying that oh. You know, Islam isn't the problem, and it isn't the, it, it isn't the Quran that says that you you know you should treat women like shit. I was saying, well, where is it coming from? And I was looking up the Taliban, and and it was saying that a lot of what they do, as far as the subjugation of women, comes from just their Pashtun tribalism, and uh, it comes from the Purda, which is basically you know where they where they segregate the sexes, where they keep women completely uh, covered up, and in the whole principle of them just not being visible or heard. And Muslims have something that's basically just one step beyond that called the namus, which is, which is where you get everything about women needing to you know, dress properly, act properly, because it reflects on the husband, or it reflects on the man of the house, it reflects on the men of the house. And that's where you start getting all that honor-killing stuff. It comes directly from that, and basically all the subjugation comes from that, because all of a sudden men have to worry about what their women are doing and how it reflects on them. Well, you, I sent you a link to the Inspired by Muhammad site, mm -hmm. and uh, you were having already some pretty uh, swift reactions, especially when you were listening to this sort of like there was a, one woman and uh, she was discussing saying, you know, about 
her views of 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 women's rights in Islam and and so on and so forth. And you know what? I the whole time when we were watching this, I was like, well, that's how you view it, and that's what the experience is for you. I'm like. But that's not the experience for every woman that's a Muslim, is it? It's not a, not the experience for a lot of them. I was looking up, uh, you know, statistics, uh, abuse rates, domestic abuse rates, for uh, different different Muslim areas, and it's it's you know it's it's you know, some some places it's forty percent, some places it's like Pakistan, it's up around eighty ninety percent. Some people claim. Damn. Well, you know, it's another thing that I thought was really quite interesting is I'm reading a book. Uh, called No God But God by Raza Aslan, who I like. He's a great writer. You know, you read his stuff and it just flows naturally. He has a great way of trying to explain the history of of, uh, of, of modern Islam. But there was one thing that he kept talking about that really bugged the f- shit out of me. And it was how he views uh, mythology, just in general. He has a very intellectualized view of mythology. He's like, well, myths are always true because they're not historical facts but rather they're stories that we're supposed to ponder the meaning of mm-hmm. and i'm like if that's if if you're saying that uh it's true because of this very intellectualized vision that you have i'm like is that really the vision of how everybody else sees it when we talk about say noah's ark do people say well that story is true because it's myth and you have to interpret it that way i'm like if you were to interpret stories then how exactly are you supposed to have any really cohesive idea of what the fuck is going on? I mean, if I tell you an Aesop fable, say about uh, Little Red Riding Hood, what is Little Red Riding Hood really about? It's about uh, watching out for rapists. Right. It's not immediately obvious, is it? You, you, you listen to that story as a kid. Did you fucking know as a kid that that story was about rape? Yeah, no, it was... Uh... No, of course not. And, 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 and ironically enough, Aesop's fable are almost as old as... Uh, you know, old-time religions. They've been around for a long time, but we don't take Aesop's fables literally. Of course not. We know they're fables. We call them fables from the get-go. We were just like, we're not building a religious dogma around Aesop's fables. But that's what ex- that's exactly what, you know, they say Islam has done with Muhammad, whatever the fuck he was saying, the Quran, which is supposedly his words, but of course, like any prophet, none of the shit that he said was really written down until... Long after his death, it was put together by a very bureaucratic council. How much of the actual text can you even ascribe to the man that the to the historical Mohammed? And I would argue probably very fucking little, very little. But nobody wants to admit this. I mean, there's even a group of you know there, there's a segment of Muslim society that tries to deny the fact that uh, Mohammed practiced paganistic religions before basically being the first Muslim. Because they, they want to believe that God prevented him from soiling himself with these other religions. Another explanation has it that, yes, he did do that. But these men who carried a, a jug of snow uh, altercated him, ripped out his heart, cleansed it with the snow, and put it back in. I this like is the explanation story. to how pure uh, Muhammad got. Because snow washed his heart. <laughs> So you get the idea of saying like, okay, Raza, so I'm supposed to, if, if you're, what you're saying is that all myths are true, what do you do about the people who actually just literally believes myth to be historical fact? I mean, even, in, say, say, take the fucking, you know, the, 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 the New Testament, right? 
I'm sure back in the old days, there'd be plenty of people, say even the Gnostics or the Arians, that would agreed that, yeah, take the fable of Jesus as mythology. It serves more purpose that way, and, you know, it's a lot more relevant. But that's not the way it goes. You tell a story, and then people just take it at face value. They don't go, hmm, what is the broader implication of the story? No, they just say the story is true. The story is true. Why is it true? Because this book that says that it is infallible said so. Like, oh, but I'm supposed to interpret them. In, in fact, I would argue that interpreting this is actually a, you know, a disservice to the very idea of saying, well, this is the word of God. Am I not supposed to take him at his word here? Am I supposed to read into what he says? Hmm, that's, that would seem to kind of put yourself in between the manual, right? Be like, I will be the arbiter of what I read and ultimately decide for myself. I'm like, then why the fuck did you need religion? Why? You didn't need to. You were making it up as you were going along and just saying, well, I've interpreted this in this uh, Quran. Well, it's pretty good to be, you know, back up whatever you're saying is to say God agrees with me. So that's why you got to do it or I'll cut your head off. So sorry. That's so sorry. Th- them's the rules. Yep. I'm a peaceful religion now, but I will have to kill you for disagreeing with me. Sorry. But uh, j- just to go back a, a, a little bit to the idea of... of why these guys are doing it. Because, I mean, I, I do recognize the fact that, say, the Islamic community in, in England or in Europe is probably different from, from what goes on, you know, the, the Muslims in Africa, Muslims in the Middle East. In Mo- Afghanistan. It, exactly. Sure. and obviously. You're, the, the, the loud, exploding Muslims are always going to get more press than the quiet peaceful ones so the i i totally agree with the idea that yeah the quiet peaceful ones might want to get their message out some more but you know i understand why they have this whole campaign going on right now to reform the image but to a certain degree they got to deal with what's going on within their own religion first i don't know what they should do maybe they should just make some more denominations so because obviously say look at christians all oh, those protestants not too bad compared to say the jehovah's witnesses Woo-hoo. no the, the, the all the different denominations are the fucking problem they are literally killing themselves killing each other because they're going through their own type of reformation you know, they're going through what the Christians went through when they decided, okay, you're a heretic, uh, heretic and you need to die. Well, Muslims need a, a, a new, lazy, peaceful, not, well, you know not, what, not that invested, not that crazy sub-denomination no, that they everybody don't can see, get here, behind. Here's what they need, and, and, and this will be Market my Marketing-wise, that's what they need. <laughs> here's, my, here's basically the solution that I have for any, any Muslim out there who thinks that their religion is peaceful. And I would, I would argue this, that you, the reason why you're more peaceful has a lot more to do with the culture you live in than the religion you believe in. Now, there's a lot of fucking places on this planet where the two are the same, all right? Go to Saudi Arabia. The culture and the religion there are the same. Now, I also had noticed that on that website, I didn't hear anyone from Saudi Arabia, any particular women there, discussing their opinions about Islam. You notice that they were mostly uh, Muslims living in the West that were having this kind of discussion because they're the only ones who can that's because of the culture that they live in. They have that ability to do that. They can practice their religion and they can follow the edicts of that culture. And I, you know, I really agree that in, in that book that I was reading, The Christian Delusion, they were talking about you're not born into a religion is you're born into a culture. 
And, you know, to some degree, let's say you go to the States, where in many places the culture is there, you know, Judeo-Christian. I won't deny it. It is that part of that culture. That's why you would believe that. Uh, and say in much of the Muslim world, there is that Muslim culture. But when the culture is not inspired by your religion per se, so you're in the West and, and there really is much more of a hodgepodge. And even then, religion has taken a back seat to culture. It's no longer driving culture. And that's what allows religion to work within that framework. It's fine in that context when it doesn't get to call the fucking shots. But you don't get to turn around and say, well, my religion is peaceful and I'm like, well, fucking prove it. In the areas where you are predominantly, where it's predominantly your religion, are you fucking peaceful? And if the answer is no, then maybe you need to look at yourself. Really fucking be honest, because this kind of like, oh, inspired by Muhammad, that's not genuine, man. That's totally not fucking genuine. Yeah, when I was looking at it, I, I was getting pretty angry at first, because, you know, who are these people to say that it's like this when there are other people dying uh, that that directly contradict exactly what they're saying. Yeah, well, like we're, if for every woman that says that they themselves choose to wear a burqa or the hadith, then where are the voices of the ones that say I don't want to wear this, or, or the ones that say they choose to submit to their husbands and submit to submit to their clans and everything else like that? Sure, there could be some that choose that. It's not every single woman who wants suffrage. Let me assure you, uh, there are many who believe in some very traditional values. I mean, you were saying that you were reading an infidel mm -hmm. um, uh, where the grandmother was basically saying, like, if you get into trouble or something happens, it's your fault because it's your responsibility as a woman to make sure that shit doesn't happen. Yeah, basically. It, it, it's funny because she told a lot of tales uh, similar to the Red Riding Hood story to her, to her, uh, to, to the children, basically. And, and the moral of the story was always... Watch out! <laughs> Bad things could happen, so watch out because the and way if they it, do is your fault. Exactly for the women, it, it, literally, it's it, it's always watch out. And if something happens, you weren't watching, and it's your fault. You know, and, and it reflects poorly upon the men, and you've shamed them, and that's where all the problems start to come from. It's, well, there's uh, a, there's a really great quote from uh, this book called "A Thousand Splendid Sons," and it's about. Um, this this uh, well, it's it's a novel about a, a, a young uh, Islamic woman that's being told about the world around her, and she says, uh, and the and the mother tells her five year old daughter, the main character, learn this now, learn it well, my daughter. Like a compass needle that points north, a man's accusing finger always finds a woman, always. <laughs> and uh, and you know, to some degree, when you are a sh when you are the minority that gets shat upon. You know, mm -hmm. like, for instance, honor killings is the perfect example that the honor of the family rests on, uh, you know, you behaving according to these social norms. It's, it doesn't matter what the men are doing. It absolutely doesn't matter that there's no equity there. None whatsoever. So, you know, like I said before, no one in, in that site, what I would have liked, if they really want to do a PR campaign, if, if Islam wants to sort of like show we're not a violent religion... Uh, I think you have to firstly acknowledge the fact that not everybody's making the same kind of choices and not everybody has the same access to, choi to choice that people in uh, or Muslims in the West get to have. It's, like, it's not like that in the rest of the world. No, it's really not. Okay, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about, because uh, this part, subject depresses me. Uh, let's talk about something that's a little bit more cheerful. Uh, an article that I was reading uh, about how uh, the internet is really uh, has has helped gay and lesbian communities in um, uh, Latin America sort of come out and and 
unite and form groups and so on and so forth. Because I think that in general, this applies to more than just uh, you know gays and lesbians, like for instance. Because in Latin America, it's strongly religious. So of course, it's not like you can be just oh I'm out and <laughs> it be no big deal. You still have to use the internet to communicate with people mm-hmm. in semi secret. Let's 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 be honest. That's what the internet's like, right? Semi anonymity. Or perhaps full anonymity, which is what you still need with the internet. You still need it sometimes, which is kind of why Facebook is so bad. Yeah, but, but that's a whole different conversation. That's another ball of wax. But in the in the article, they were just talking about how you know it, it, it's really difficult for individuals to you know before say the advent of the internet to really have found themselves. And you, you have to imagine what must it what what must it have been like for gay people living in a time without this tool. To try to meet one another. I, I can only imagine how even difficult and dangerous such a proposition would have been. You're just like, oh, I, w-. I mean, who, who doesn't long to be with someone that they can you know, have a loving and caring relationship with? Who doesn't long for this? But imagine the dangers now of trying such a thing. It could like, land you either in jail or, you know, just a, on a, a, the end of a noose. Well, when you hear about, you know, all that weird stuff about gay people in bathrooms and parks and stuff like that, it's, it's really a throwback to a time when it was harder as a gay person. Like, if you were a closeted gay person, you probably were because everybody hated gays back then. There, there is no real way to to sort yourself out a normal relationship unless you happen to find somebody else who was closeted. And I don't know if the gaydar goes off or something. How gaydar worked back then <laughs> it must have been a completely different game, I imagine. I, 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 but they, but repressive societies push gay behavior towards the the deviant side because they clamp down on allowing you to do things within the normal scheme of your life. And the internet has allowed a whole new range of of ways to to healthy ways for gays to be themselves well i've always wondered um what what would it have been like if during particular times in human history we had something like an internet right where you could just instantly communicate with other people find out other people's opinions their interests i mean at first i would have thought to myself well this would have been the first thing that people would try to do with this is spread their religion right because i mean Think about all these Christian missionaries that traveled all over the place in crazy areas full of mosquitoes and shit like that that you know, probably die from that, where you could just send an email or just, you know, sort of like communicate with people over long distances. Hey. You would figure that'd be the... No, 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 hear me, hear, hear okay. me out. It would be like, you would figure that would be the first thing they would try to do. But funny enough, I actually think that something like the internet doesn't really make that possible. Because the funny thing about it is you'd have just as many people like you trying to spread the, also their ridiculous and stupid religion until it basically would all be just a bunch of noise. And, uh, and I'm sure that in the future of communication, and, and because there's always new religions popping up, let's not kid ourselves here, man. There's fucking, they're, they're happening all the time. You saw that video I sent you about all the different people who claim that they're the resurrection of Jesus. Yep. You think that shit's going to stop? It's not going to stop. And they're not even going to say that they're only Jesus. So somebody else is going to come along saying, I'm a new prophet and I have a new fucking dogma because, like I said before, religions are modern movements. We've seen, in, in even in our own lifetime, the birth of a fairly large religion, Scientology. It's like, that's the latest one. There's going to be more after this. Who knows what they're like? But will they be as hilariously silly as Scientology? 
Oof, with Zenu. That is just a fucking good question. I was thinking to myself, if I was um, if I was to build a religion, I talked about this last time on the bonus show. Hmm. I was like, well, how would I make it ridiculous? My idea was essentially uh, what I called matrixism because I thought I think that if you basically take a movie and it, and turn that into a religion, that is ultimately how ridiculous you can get. That's only one more step of ridiculousness above Scientology, well, which is what, very what, ridiculous. What do you think about the Jedi, then? The religious Jedi. I always thought, though, the people who are religious Jedis just uh, just do it because they're huge Star Wars fans, and that's about it. Like, that there's nobody who's a Jedi believer that doesn't love the fucking movies. Now, if you could convince someone to believe in Jedis without ever having seen or even read any Star Wars books, which is the case with most religious people, you've got yourself a real religion right there. Now, this is the kind of thing I would do if I was some kind of nutty millionaire. I would just go to some poor country and start preaching and, and, and converting people to Jedi. <laughs> well, there's, there's this one book by Kurt uh, Vonnegut, or is it a short story that uh, where he talks about um, uh, a made-up religion called Boconoism, I think it is? And the whole thing is that there's these two guys who are basically uh, magistrates for this this uh, country, and, and they're failing miserably. So they decide to give people hope they're going to invent a religion. So the way they do it is that they say, the main guy, who they call Bocono, because I guess they can't pronounce his name, um, he basically, they he gets exiled, though not really exiled, and the religion is forbidden. Essentially making it a forbidden fruit for the people to try to find out. It's like a mystery religion. So people are inherently curious to know why is this particular religion banned and then find meaning in this stupid, simple religion. It tries to give them hope. And you're like, thank you, Kurt Vonnegut, for putting it so eloquently <laughs> as to why we believe. But uh, I, you know, I, I think to myself, well, maybe, maybe the, the real way of, of destroying the idea of all religions is to kind of just make, uh, you know, the, the, the ultimate parody, which technically already exists. I mean, Pastafarians is the, is, yep, is that's, probably... that's, that's the one that caught on. And I tell you what, it's, it's suitably ridiculous. It really is. It is quite ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't think I could beat it with that whole matrixism thing. The only reason I like it is because it's a, the, the, the idea that I had, which was basically that you are living in a virtual reality world, uh, but really the person experiencing is a god. The reason I kind of liked it is because it's a platonic idea and that you could find sort of a thread of history to support this absolutely improvable and ludicrous idea. But because of the way you structure the idea, it would be impossible for people to disprove it and therefore, based on somewhere how other religions consider themselves, completely 100% true. Because <laughs> I'm like, could you disprove it? No, it's true then. Yes, that is my qualifications for truth. Just as true as any other religion on this planet. Exactly. And and what does that make all the other religions on this planet then? Therefore, not true. What a revelation. I'm glad that I didn't need to tell you this. One last one last note, something I put up on the site. If you haven't gone on the site, I want you to check it out. It's, uh, it's basically a short video, five-minute video about people discussing their... Why they they stopped believing uh, in God, and I think the really the cool thing about this video is that you can tell from the people's responses that this isn't like they were they went out there and read a whole bunch of atheist books and decided that way. No, it's just reasonable conclusions that people fucking had 
wasn't sort of any you know huge realization on their part. It was just like, yeah, it was a steady stream of just realizing that all these things were kind of bullshit. And then I just said, well, there's no God. I mean, there's no uh, evidence or proof of it. So what's really cool about this video when I was watching it, and I'm sure that you're going to experience the same thing when you watch it, is just that it feels just so... I don't want to say natural because, I mean, I think everybody knows how I feel about that word. But it evolves so gradually as part of what I was discussing before. Just that intellectual integrity is the antithesis of religious belief. That if you just try to unravel all those threads that are present out there, the threads of doubt, what are you left with when you tug at it? Nothing. That's what atheism is. Ta-da! So check out the video. I think it's well worth it. Uh, before we go, I'd like to thank everybody who is a contributing member of the podcast. Uh, as you know, we've uh, sort of hit a bit of a financial snag, which is why I went to uh, do some work for hopefully not too long because uh, it's difficult to do both at the same time and do them well. hope you guys are aware of that <laughs> and forgiving of that. So everybody who is con contributing, I'd like to say thank you. Uh, there's one person who actually sent me recently uh, – a uh, you know a contribution of uh, of membership. Unfortunately, they forgot to include uh, any information, particularly email, for me to contact them. I don't want to put out any names there for obvious reasons. But if you know who you are, yeah, you uh, said you sent us a very nice letter. Yes, a, it was a, it was a fantastic letter that uh, was was praising us. And uh, unfortunately, I can't set you up with a bonus show if I don't know your email, buddy. I, you didn't even give me a phone number. I would mail you a letter back. But we can't afford it. <laughs> we, they, sell, they only sell stamps in packs of six. And it's a ripoff around here. Can you believe how expensive stamps are? Uh, well, you know, the post office is just dying a slow death. I know. I know. I would just rather... Like, you can go to the site. I have my email displayed right on the front page. You can go down if anybody has any questions. Email me. Also, I've been sending out renewal notices for people whose membership have expired. But naturally, I realized that a lot of you set up PayPal email accounts. So you probably didn't even receive my email. So if you have any suspicion that your uh, membership might run out, uh, you're still probably listening to the bonus shows because we haven't policed that yet. Uh, I figured it's not really necessary and it's really quite complicated. It's, it's not, uh, not the highest thing trying to cut everybody off from the juice. We'd just yeah. rather throw it out there that uh, if you guys want to pay for it, we're very happy and uh, happy yeah, to we take wanna, your money. <laughs> we, wanna, we, want, we want you guys to contribute, but uh, honestly, right, the priority right now is not for us to police membership. So if you think that you've uh, expired, just send me an email and uh, I can update my files. I'm really sick and tired of sending to... PayPal accounts, uh, email reminders of what's going on. That seems kind of dumb to me. All right, with that, my name is Jacob Forte. I'm Ryan Harkness. Have a good Atheist Day, everybody. Mm -hmm.